Welcome to the 74th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and the conductor to the Spider-Man No Way Home Orchestra, Adrian Pinter. How's it going, man? General Kenobi, it's going quite well, dude. How are, how are you, man? How are you, Simon Eady of the, of the Eady household? Oh, you know, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay, you know, I just got a bad headache, a very, very bad headache, so my brain is a bit of a, bit of a mush, a bit mm. of a mush. I see. Bit of a mashed potatoes at the moment. Oh. Not good. A nice mashed patats. I love mashed potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. One of the one of the sides of my face, the eye is kind of twitching. No, I'm not really, but it does hurt on one side and my eye is kind of behind my eye. I feel I feel the headache. I your feel eye it. is behind your eye? Yeah, it feels like the my eye is behind my eye. That's how crazy it is. That's wild. It's like a, a rare glitch I got in uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Sorry, Ken, for talking about video games. So, so early. Right, that's a video game. A famous video game with lots of bugs, everybody. Hmm. Hmm. Adrian, speaking of Spider-Man No Way Home, mm-hmm. because we seem to do that at the top of our show every every week. Mm-hmm. It's, it's coming. It's it's on the way. If I'm not mistaken, I feel like we should know the release date for this, but uh, Spider-Man No Way Home is December 10th. Am I wrong? Yes. Or am I correct? <clears throat> it's the 17th. Tickets go on sale tomorrow. Sorry, tickets go on sale on Monday when this episode drops. Sorry, you were saying yes, you are wrong? Yes, you are wrong. Oh, it's the 17th. Damn. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's a full seven days that I thought it was coming out before. I'm sorry. I'm a foolish person. Yeah, t- tickets go on sale on Monday, so we, we should probably get on that on Monday. Mm. Yes, mm-hmm. indeed. J.K. Simmons recently did an interview. Mm-hmm. Did you see this? Yeah. Did you see this? Um, Not the interview, but I saw words on a on an article about the interview. Right. Yes. And now I'm forgetting where the interview was because I just realized I didn't write it down, and I feel bad about that. Mm. And uh, and now I'm delaying while I look it up briefly. I think but anyways, it was, it was NME. I don't think it was NME. I don't think it was either. I just said that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I think it was Entertainment Weekly. Actually, mm-hmm. it might have been Entertainment Weekly. Because it's the first thing that came up, and it's ringing a bell. But the, the article I actually read was not Entertainment Weekly. They quoted Entertainment Weekly. Regardless, regardless. He was talking about the, the iconic mustache of J. Jonah Jameson. You know? The iconic mustache. Honestly, he was the best casting, in my opinion, in that Spider-Man Sam Raimi trilogy. I think you might agree, but mm-hmm. maybe you don't. I do. He was just great. Yeah. And I think that his whole getup, his hair and makeup, the flat top he had and the mustache were were iconic and it really matched the comic very well and the the, the way he just portrayed it, the way he was a was a blowhard as he calls it in this quote. I just think that's it's great, but apparently they didn't necessarily want him to have the mustache. They said he's not going to have a flat top and then he he was Apparently, they were. he had to negotiate with the concept of keeping the mustache for J. Jonah Jameson. Anyways, this is the quote that he said. He said, quote, No, we don't want you to have that flat top haircut, they said. And I was like, wait, 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 what? It was a negotiation then at that point. Obviously, the most important thing is that he's still the same blowhard and he has the same damn mustache or close to it. And a cigar at least. Certainly from the creators of this iteration of the story, it's a very different character. To me... It's a slightly different character. It's the same blowhard, the same guy with less hair. 
Mm. Unquote. I'm glad he's. I, I'm glad he stood up for what's right. You know what I mean? I know it. Kind of worries me a little bit mm. deep down, but I get it. It's it's a different universe, so I can see why that you know they might have contention with that. But if you're gonna cast J.K. Simmons, he was perfect. I think he would be the most consistent across the universes because he was just chosen so well. He was you know his hair and makeup was so well. He performed his role so well. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first time I can probably say that I I recognized J.K. Simmons as an actor. Just because I felt like I wasn't at that time, especially I wasn't really, you know, all that, all that up, up with the the movie times and the TV show times and the the actors doing the, their job. But I feel like I really like, I I thought that he was that character that his is J Jonah Jameson. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I can't think of uh, any movies that I I recognize J K Simmons in until that role for sure. And yeah, like he he embodies that role, man. Like he's. He is directly attached to that. Even when I see like that cartoon picture of J. Jonah Jameson from the, um, you know, animated series and everything, I immediately just think of J.K. Simmons because right. to me, yeah, yeah, he is that character. And I'm glad that they brought him back. They they had the foresight to bring him in again in the MCU. And uh, once again, I'm, I'm really glad that he stood up for what's right. He stood up for that mustache and we got to keep it. And maybe he'll get a toupee. Ooh, I would like that at some point in the future. Maybe yeah. in a future Spider-Man movie. Yeah. I hope he gets one uh, similar to yours. Whoa. Oh. I'd like to reassure the the audience that uh, I don't have a toupee. Although, you wouldn't know because you've never seen me, audience. <laughs> oh. I've seen you. Yes. Yes, you have. Yeah. Yes. But I guess they'll just have to take your word over mine or the other way around on this particular fact. Fair enough. I've got a great mustache. You see, it's better than J. Jonah Jameson. Jameson's mustache. I think we'd agree, Adrian. Anyway. I, yeah, I do agree. You got such a nice mustache. It has like six twirls. Thank you. Thank no worries, you. Man. No worries. It's almost the, as, as incredible as Tony Dalton in uh, Hawkeye, which we'll get to a little later. Yeah, oh, that's a mustache. Yeah. What a mustache. That is a mustache wow. and a half, dude. Anyway, let's get into some, some show corrections first before we talk about what we've been watching. Just because last week, and this is the only one I picked up on, but perhaps you picked up on another one, audience, and that's why you can write into us at splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com with any questions or corrections or anything, really. We, we'd want to hear from you about anything. But regardless, I picked up on this one minor clarification that I want to make, and it's a correction in this case, uh, for the play Come From Away, which I clearly called multiple times far from away mm-hmm. during uh, last week's episode, episode 73 of Split Focus Film and TV Podcast. And that is the play that's like about Canadian. It's about Canadians. The Like a, a plane, it gets grounded on the East Coast of Canada um, during 9-11 because uh, planes just have to had to be set down like kind of everywhere and they trusted this small town in Canada. And so they set the plane down and um, it's a musical uh, it was a great musical, and I watched it in, in England. That was kind of the context. But regardless, it is what? definitely not far from away. It's Come From Away is the name of the, is the, name of the play. Mm-hmm. And C-U-M. In that, what? C-U-M. Come From Away. No, it is not. I found it a really odd name. Yeah, but. No, no, it isn't. It isn't that. Mm-hmm. It's C-O-M-E. Agreed to disagree on that one. But uh, this is the corrections area of our podcast, okay? You save your jokes to the end, Okay. Well, okay. well, I actually do have oh. another correction, though. Well, no, well not really a c- correction, a clarification. Uh, we talked about Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, Simon. Yeah. Uh, like, I kind of yes. wanted to go see it. I believe you mentioned that uh, it 
was going to come to Toronto or did come to Toronto. Um, no, I, I said it was going to come to the take your time. I said it was going to come to Toronto. I think it was planned to, but COVID had caused it to maybe not. I think that's what I said. I see. Um, but yes. yeah, it's coming. Uh, it's coming to Toronto in the spring, Simon. Oh, <laughs> I know about this too, though. You know why? This is a crazy thing. So after our podcast, after we you know recorded episode seventy three, mm-hmm. I think when when I was rec- when I was doing the edit for episode seventy three, all of a sudden, any YouTube I was watching, YouTube video or whatever, that cursed child advertisement kept coming up, oh. and that. I was like, "What? Well, that we were just talking about that. What a coincidence!" But that's a pretty creepy co- coincidence. Mm-hmm. So I don't Your know. Your phone's always listening, dude. Your phone is always listening. I don't think the phone would have done. I just I trust. I don't know. I've said this before. I maybe I trust them a little too much. But I mm-hmm. trust that Apple's privacy policy is pretty on top of things. I wonder what was listening. Do you I've have got a few Home? devices? Do you have a? Mm, yeah. Uh, it's probably that because YouTube directly connected to your Google Home, probably listening. We're also using Zencaster. I wonder if there's some kind of ad relationship there. We're recording right now through a platform. So it's not like we're recording in the same room with a simple program like Audacity or, you know, Addition. Mm-hmm. So I wonder there. But I've got uh, – actually, I don't think I'm sitting next to a Google Home. I think I'm sitting next to an Alexa speaker. Regardless, regardless, something was listening, I feel like, at yeah. some point because I can't think of – did I type in? No, I didn't type in Cursed Child first. Yeah, it's very strange. Anyways. Interesting. You you don't pay for YouTube, like premium, so you don't get ads? I do not. Oh, man. I do not. I'd go insane if I had ads on YouTube. I'd go absolutely It's not insane. worth it enough. It's not worth it enough. Maybe for you, but for me, it definitely is. I watch a lot of YouTube. Okay. I would I'd blow my brains out if I had ads. Because wow. now it's like, there's like 18 wow. ads per video, I feel like. I know that's hyper- no. But well, how would you know? Because whenever I, I'm like using someone else's computer or something and I'm using YouTube or. Yeah. How often does that happen? Very rarely. Sounds like. Yeah, but I'm saying. Sounds like a fantasy. I'm saying there are a lot of ads, Simon, and I wouldn't be able to handle it. There's like two ads at most. That's and most so of the much. time you can skip them. Sometimes it's annoying and you can't skip them. It is irritating. Hmm. But, you know, they it would be smart for them to gradually, very gradually increase the number of ads. So gradually that you wouldn't, you couldn't accuse them of anything. But then eventually you'd be like, what do you mean? We give you YouTube premium. It's, we didn't change anything. Mm-hmm. Come on, come on down. Pay $18 a month and get rid of uh, ads on YouTube. I do. To be fair, I use YouTube music as well. So it's, it's worth it. How the- much is it in Canada? Just to be uh, clear. I think it is 18 bucks for the family plan for YouTube premium Whoa. and YouTube music. I just took a guess. I just, that was a swing. I did not know that. I was exaggerating. It's $18. Yeah, for like the family plan. But that gives you music as well. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're in a different spot though. I use Apple Music. That's fair. That's the trick. And like Apple Music is now available on my PlayStation 5, which YouTube Music is not. So I know. It's a huge bummer. I actually, like my my friend of mine let me use his spot. Like he has like the family thing for Spotify. And it's only for him and his girlfriend. And he's like, oh, like, do you want this? Because uh, I-, I was in the mood to listen to some Joe Rogan. And I realized that Joe Rogan's only on Spotify. And I was like, sure is. I'm, like, I'm not going to listen to him. Like, if I got to listen to fucking ads. Um, but then my uh, uh, yeah buddy was just like, here, let me just like share your thing with you. So I've been using Spotify quite a bit as of late. Um, mm, interesting. And then start, like I transferred my playlist over from YouTube Music. It was an arduous pro- process. Let me tell you that. But uh, 
but I got my music on uh, Spotify. And Spotify's good. The the algorithm on Spotify in comparison to YouTube. Spot on. Uh, music. Like to find new music. Yeah. Very good. Is so good, dude. It, it's it's like, renowned. Yeah. The, the renowned. Yeah. YouTube music's like search algorithm for like recommending music is is awful it's actually genuinely bad it's i don't know how it somehow got worse when they got rid of google play music it got worse with youtube music and i i was so confused because i i remember what using google play music and i would find new songs almost daily because i would just do the radio and it would recommend things i'm like god damn this is a bop you know what i mean and then um like once they forced the switch over, well, they didn't force it. They released YouTube music and they were like, we're going to shut down Google play music. So I was like, okay, screw it. I'm going to switch over to YouTube music early. So I don't have to do it all at once. And then, uh, yeah, using like their like radio thing, it's garbage. It just recommends different songs from like artists that I already listened to. And it's like, I've already heard this song because I've listened to this entire album. Like it's just not on my like list. Long story short. It's just, it, it's garbage, but Spotify, my God, it's so good. It's so They're good. still the kings. They're still the kings. I feel yeah. like Apple Music came a long way too. I feel like the last update they just did um, for for Apple Music, it just got better in terms of recommending better music. But I've had I've heard that a lot, like quite a bit. And I've used Spotify as well. And I, I feel like uh, from my use and, and but recommendations, I feel like people say that Spotify is even better than Apple Music. But I feel like now that the they're they're just they're competing. I like it. I like the head to head. Mm-hmm. the head-to-head action because it it just makes things better it makes apple music better it makes spotify better the better spotify gets apple music will get better yeah i don't know about youtube music because i feel like google sometimes doesn't decide what they want to do um <laughs> they just they don't quite know you know hence yeah. google play music is disbanded but um but yeah but yeah yeah google's a goddamn mess but i do love youtube no, they've got a lot of products going on. They've got so many products going on, but the, the problem is, is sometimes they just don't, they don't commit. They have commitment issues a little bit, you know? Well, dude, I mean, like the most recent example, I, I don't want to talk about video games too much, but Stadia, you know what I mean? Like they came out with that, they, they built up studios and then within the first year, they shuttered every single studio that they were, that they made. It seems short-sighted because Google Stadia, which is a streaming service like Netflix, but for gaming, basically, if you don't know, um, it seems like a great, like it's a good concept. And I think it might be the future of gaming in some capacity. I don't think for, you know, the first person shooter competitive gamers out there, no. But I think that theoretically, it could be the future of gaming in a lot of ways. And it's it's interesting because of all the competitive systems or services, I should say, like uh, NVIDIA GeForce Now or uh xbox game pass x cloud i don't know mm-hmm. what it's called anymore <laughs> whatever yeah, it is it's, i think it's literally just called like xbox game streaming instead of yeah. x cloud but what it doesn't matter okay but yeah like that's it. or ps now but yeah. i feel like there's so many of them and there's obviously a reason there's so many of them so stadia was one of the first ones to kind of really start marketing and, and be new because mm-hmm. google wasn't in that space before and i think that they they could have they could have done something it's interesting that they decided this it, yeah it is truly interesting it would be i don't know Seems like the foresight is not there for the, <laughs> for that, but not at I don't all. know. What do I know? Yeah, it was a, it was an unfinished product when the, when it was released. Even actually, well, we're a film and TV podcast here. What are we talking about? YouTube Red or whatever YouTube Premium had oh, yeah. shows, and why abandon them? You're in a streaming war. You were ahead of the curve because you came out before Peacock and HBO Max. Mm-hmm. You're Google. You have the ability to just dis- dis- maybe destroy if you try, and and. The Karate Kid show, Cobra, Cobra Kai, Kai, was actually quite re- well regarded. And mm-hmm. it's well regarded right now on Netflix. So. Yeah. 
It is. I don't know. Yeah, they only had that one show. It was like Yahoo. Yahoo kind of did the same thing with community and then they just bungled bungled it i mean to be fair like youtube did have other shows that i didn't really watch i watched wayne like the first season of wayne which was canceled yeah, you mentioned that previously is, i think yeah. many episodes back like 30 mm-hmm. episodes ago which i i really liked that show i think it's really good uh, but but our mutual friend eric also really liked it but unfortunately it was canceled it was written by the deadpool raiders actually oh wernick and paul wernick and damn it should know this oh fuck i, I almost just dropped my mic sorry Rhett Reese and Rhett Reese. Adrian, Rhett Reese mm-hmm. and Paul Wernick, who wrote the Deadpool movies, the first two, anyways. Uh, but I digress. Adrian, you talked about bops for, before. You talked about bops, true bops. Mm-hmm. So let's get into Encanto, the Disney movie that we both saw together on our trip. On our trip. Unless you want to do it in order, because we did do like a kind of a bar hop, theater hop type scenario, and we watched Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. Raccoon Town. I'm sorry. <laughs> raccoon Town. It was That's right. I wrote City. that here. Yeah. It is Raccoon City, but I wrote raccoon, raccoon Town. And because you wrote Raccoon Town as well, I thought it was Raccoon Town now. But regardless, we saw that first. Then we saw Encanto. And then we planned to go see another movie, but somebody bailed on me. So regardless. I was tired, okay, man? I, I've been, I, I only had one day off, and I decided to spend it with you. How do you feel about that, huh? I had one day off last week, and I wanted to spend it with you. And it wasn't just with me. There's bad? lots of other people there. You invited a whole bunch of other people. Let's, let's be honest. For the second movie. Only for the one. Which was Encanto. Yeah. Encanto. Encanto. Anyways, let's talk about the first one first. We drove out to Kitchener, the Kitchener Cineplex Theater, and we watched Resident Evil Welcome to Ro- <coughs> Oh, my God. Not only do I have a headache, but I'm coughing as well. <clears throat> I don't feel very well. Anyways. You think you got yeah. the new Omicron variant or whatever the fuck it's called? The new COVID uh, yes. variant? Yes. As my brother called it, a transformer. It does sound like a transformer, honestly. Yeah, he, he, he basically sent me a message saying that when they start calling, uh, now we're in trouble when they start calling uh, the the COVID variants transformer names. Yeah. Or something like that. I just butchered his joke. You're welcome, brother. You're welcome. We're, anyways, welcome to Raccoon Town. What did you think of this? So let's just give some background. I don't know Resident Evil. I didn't play any of the Resident Evil games. I didn't mm-hmm. play a single one. Actually, maybe I did on the PS2. PS1, maybe. I might have played one, like the first one, which was on the PS1. I'm not wrong, right? No, you're not. It, it yeah. was on the PS1. I think I did. I played it at a friend's house, I'm pretty sure. Just briefly. It was many, many years ago. And uh, that was fun. But regardless, other than that, I don't really remember it at all. And I know there's a whole stream of other movies out there that I don't think follow the storyline of the actual games. This is a video game series by Capcom Mm -hmm. that's extremely famous and just keeps coming out with game after game. And the last two games have been extremely successful. And then they re-released and did some remaster work to make some of their older games even just shine a little more. No, they were were straight remakes. So they remade Resident Evil 2 and 3. Um, Which people loved. Yeah, I, I adore those games. And I love Resident Evil 7 and 8 as well. I really love Resident Evil 5. I, honestly, I love like every Resident, main, mainline Resident Evil game that I've played. Right. Um, six, six leaves a little bit to be desired, but it's, it was still a fun experience when I played it back in the day. Right. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I'm a Resident Evil fan. Um, and, uh, and I'm not necessarily. And so now I'm, I'm tremendously curious. What did you think of Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City? I really like this movie, actually, surprisingly. I thought this movie was really fun. It's campy. It's corny. It's like this schlocky 90s horror movie. 
I want to say mess because it kind of is, but it's very self-aware. I feel like this movie knows exactly what it was. And Johannes Roberts, who I've only seen one of his movies, which was that 37 meters down or whatever it was called, which is a garbage movie. It's a bad movie, but uh, I think it was 47. Oh yeah. Whatever. You missed 10 meters, but that's okay. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for saving me on that one. But uh, I think he did a really good job adapting the first two games and putting it into one movie. I mean, I would have definitely preferred if this were two movies. And, you know, there were some iconic things that they left out, most notably Mr. X from uh, Resident Evil 2. Mr. X. Mr. F. It's Mr. F. If you're referencing uh, Arrested Development again. We, we've been referencing Arrested Development almost every episode. But uh, yeah, there's there's a character called Mr. X um, or the Tyrant. Mr. X. Yeah, or the, or the Tyrant um, in Resident Evil 2. And it's this like big, muscular, like, you know, seven foot tall gray man wearing a trench coat and a top hat that just follows you around the police station the entire game. And it's genuinely terrifying. And I was. Isn't that referenced in the movie, though? It is. They do little references. And that, that's the thing is like, I, I would have liked to have him in the care, like that character in it. And, you know, him just being this unrelenting force following them. But I think what this movie does well is it references these little things that happen in the games without necessarily going down that route. There's a, there's a specific line um, in, in uh, one of the earlier like diner scenes where um, the character Jill, um, she like mentions like, Oh yeah. Like, this is Jill's sandwich because there's like a famous line in the first Resident Evil uh, game where she almost gets crushed by two walls closing in. And uh, the one character is like, oh, man, you all you're almost you almost became a Jill sandwich. So I don't know. There, it's it's cute. Like it's very honest. Uh, sorry. Uh, it's very obvious that like Johannes Roberts does love these games. And he he took the time to add these little you know hints and nods to the games that happened while not being afraid to kind of change things up in a in a interesting and unique way. I don't think these characters are, you know, pan for pan, the exact same characters that they are from the from the games. Um, I think Kaisco Delario's, you know, portrayal of Claire Redfield was probably the most similar. But even that she's a little bit more badass in uh, in, in the movie, as opposed to like Leon. He's kind of a, a little bit of a bumbling buffoon in, in this movie, whereas he's He's a lot more calm and collected and cool in the in the games, uh, but I, I, think- I don't know. I found that he was cool and collected. Like he was, it was almost like an origin story that they mm. showed. Yeah, and over time, I feel like he he became more calm and collected. Yeah, he's cool. Like it, it, there, there's like one line in particular where you know, like someone like points out, like, "Oh, you're still alive," and he's like, "Trust me, I'm just as surprised as you are," or something along those lines. And yeah, we you know, got like genuine laughs in the theater. We were in a theater of almost nobody mm-hmm. um, for this movie, which we, we should get into just a little bit later because there's something ridiculous about that. But there was a laugh behind us. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I even laughed too. Like, I, again, I think this movie is like funny, like in, in a very campy and corny way. It, it's It knows what it wanted to be. And I think it's successful. I can definitely, like, I don't necessarily think this is a great movie and you should rush out to see it, but I really liked it. And I, I hope they continue this universe. I think everyone's portrayal of each of these characters was really great. Um, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of like Robbie Amell. Cause I feel like he always just plays these, like, you know, like in these like shitty TV shows and movies and like kind of like a similar character in everyone. But I, I liked his portrayal of Chris Redfield. And again, I think everyone was cast incredibly well. And, uh, 
yeah, I don't know. I just, I really like this movie, man. As a Resident Evil fan, I think it's fun and I really want it to continue. As like someone that doesn't know anything really about Resident Evil, like what did you think about this? You have no like nostalgia or no emotional like attachment to like this series. So as someone that just kind of went in, what did you think? Um, 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 it was interesting. It's funny. We came out of the movie and I was wondering what you thought. I, mm. I find that I have a pretty, I don't know. You can get a little bit extreme one way or the other, especially when it's something you like a property you really like. So I was seriously confused. I wasn't sure whether you liked it until I kind of asked you or sorry. I, we don't talk outside this podcast. Never. So uh, Jimmy, I think will. if I recall correctly, he was with us there and Jimmy kind of asked you and he told me um, afterwards. But regardless, I asked. What did you think of it? And you, to Jimmy, said to me, I uh, I liked it. I was like, oh, okay. That could have gone either way for me. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what you were going to say. For me, I can take parts of it. I can leave parts of it. It's not the greatest movie, certainly. The worst thing about the movie, in my opinion, the titling. Don't understand what they were thinking with that. It seemed like it was made in Microsoft Paint. But um, I liked it. <laughs> Again, it, it felt campy- very, very cheap. Like, like the budget was cheap and I know it was cheap, but it's like, it's titling. Like, yeah, I, it, I don't know. We're going to talk a little bit more about this later, but Hawkeye, obviously, which we referenced earlier in the show, uh, the, the Hawkeye titling is just brilliant to me. <laughs> I just really like it yeah. a lot. And it's, it's just very simple and clean. And I just think that the titling here just, it just felt like it was out of place. I liked the fact that they were taking down. I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was a really neat aspect and that they're taking down to a certain time as the night goes on, which I thought was really cool. The acting wasn't great, but I wonder if it's the dialogue that was kind of cheesy and was not amazing. It wasn't bad though, by any means, it was just not amazing. Mm-hmm. And the CG certainly wasn't perfect, but I don't think it was anything like you thought it was going to be. That, let me just say that and I'll let you talk about the CG now. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't mention it, but uh, no, I, I still think the CG is awful. But again, I think it adds to the charm of this movie. Like it, it oh, fits, I see. Like I, I, I don't know. I I don't think it's awful because they specifically t- put it in the dark, and I think they did that a lot. And they they did it with fast shots. If you were to take freeze frames, oh man, it looks bad. Like for instance, when you sent me the freeze frame um, through Jimmy, of course, mm-hmm. uh, it was a forwarded email. Um, but specifically, you sent me that freeze frame of the trailer in which the Mr. X or whatever that that's is. That's not Mr. X. That's a different guy. It is it? it Isn't it, that what they're referencing with that guy? No, not exactly. I thought there was a reference to that. I, I, I guess it isn't. I, I'm an amateur. I don't know what I'm talking about. It kind of is, but it's not. Is okay, that, good to know. That makes but anyways, sense. That beast guy thing, you sent me a photo of that, and I was like, this is a freeze frame. I get it. It's bad because it's a freeze frame. Like, yeah, you're going to pick it apart. But if you're moving it very, very fast, I, I, I can believe it because you're, you're also stuck in the moment of this horror-type action sequence. And I, I, did, I believe that these creatures, things kind of existed. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Yeah, the acting for me, the best person, it's funny enough because you just mentioned him too. Who, who do you think I'm going to say? Was it Leon? I thought you were going to say Robbie Amell, which is funny because you just mentioned him and, and I was like, heck no. But, but I don't mind Robbie Amell, to be honest. But yeah. he's in that show that's actually really well regarded, if I recall, on Amazon Prime. And I started – I watched one episode and I really disliked it and I just stopped watching it. And then as the season went on, it got like – I think it's like really high. You'd have to mm-hmm. check that for me. I'm not sure. I forgot the but name of it. It's called like Upgrade or some shit like that? Up, uh, No. Upgrade? No, that's that movie with – the guy that looks like Tom Hardy. I know who you're talking about. 
Yeah, upload. Upload. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you check that out on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's like above 85. It's an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, the first season. There you go. There you go. And I really, you watched that first episode and I bet you, some of the jokes in that, I was like, I'm not liking this show. <laughs> um, but it might be better as it goes on. It's a good idea, I think, but I just felt like it was kind of, it, it did feel like they were kind of going a good place, like the, the route of the good place in terms of the idea behind the show. So it's not a bad premise. But anyway, I'm digressing really badly here. Leon Kennedy, Avon, Avon Yogia, who I've never seen anywhere else, I don't think. Me I either. must have seen him somewhere else, to be honest, because I do recognize his face. But I don't know where from. Um, I don't know about you. But Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything. Anyway, I thought he, I did, I thought he did a great job. Oh, dude, he's, I think. Yeah, he. I, I agree with you. Like, I, they really, um, again, they, they change up Leon's character a bit, uh, like quite a bit from the the main game. They they really like focus on the rookie aspect that he's this rookie. Um, but again, he's he's imperfect, and I don't know the the amount of f bombs this guy says is just comical. And yeah, I think he does such an awesome job playing the character. I I really loved. Honestly, everyone's portrayal, but I agree with you. He's definitely the uh, highlight of the movie, I would say. I just felt like there was a lot of awkward dialogue from a lot of people, and I don't think it's necessarily their fault. But it, it, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. There's, it struck me as almost like a uh, old, an old situation, like the mm-hmm. M. Night Shyamalan's old and that the dialogue wasn't good enough for them to like translate it into gold in, in the way it was shot. And it, it wasn't that bad. Like that, That's a whole other level of that dialogue in old, but mm-hmm. I just felt like there was moments in there. I was like, ah, oh, man, it, it could have been a little bit better and more polished in these spots. Like, um, I like Neil McDonough as an actor. I like Tom Hopper. I've watched a lot of him in black sales, mm-hmm. but actually the other standout for me, cause I always like him and everything is Donald Logue. Yeah. Actually, I just like really him great. in Gotham. He's my favorite thing of, about Gotham, the TV series on, on Fox about Batman before he's Batman or whatever. And uh, I think that that he's the, he's the highlight of that series. I don't know. Maybe it's that, that way for you too, but he's really good in this, in this movie too. I just, I like seeing him in things. Yeah. Anyway, that's kind of my two cents. Do what I, did I love it? No. Would I have watched it? If you hadn't asked me to come out to the movie theater, probably not to be honest, but I still had a good time. And that, that's all that matters. Really. Yeah. I, I had a good time. I was glad you're a fan. I was kind of watching your reactions. It was kind of neat. The only thing that was a little weird for the whole, you know, watching this movie, we went to, I basically bought the tickets. Through, of course, we're reserving seats at Cineplex nowadays, which is awesome for COVID and all that. Um, and just in general, because you can just show up at the last second. But we reserved seats in an empty theater. I reserved two seats. It was empty completely. And when we get to the theater, there's a guy sitting in the spot next to our seats, mm-hmm. which is just like kind of shocking because you had the whole theater to choose and you chose that. And we decided not to sit next to the man because it makes no sense. Yeah. Because that's stupid. And so we sat a couple seats, a few seats over. And funny enough, as soon as we sat down, the guy's like coughing, which I thought was just even more ridiculous because he's not wearing a mask. He's eating popcorn. And he's coughing. He's probably just choking on the popcorn or whatever. But it's just a little weird. Like, why did you choose the seats right next to us? You could have just chosen the road now, down. And then literally midway through the movie, he gets up and moves like he was offended and moved to, to like a row down. I wonder if the people behind him were kicking a seat or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I'll be honest with you. I was no. shocked when he moved, though, because he moved all of his stuff. Like, he just got up and left. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> it was very confusing. Yeah, it's just one thing for him to just, like, literally choose the seat next to us when there was, like, maybe six other people in the theater, if that, in this empty theater, and he just 
chose the one directly next to us. It, it's just such an odd thing to do. I. It's funny that that guy actually. I had this weird like I walked into the theater at the same time as him. Oh, I remember I, didn't know I held that part. I, yeah, like I held the door for the guy, and he's just like, he's like, he's like no, you go first. <laughs> I was like. No, man. like I'm just holding the door. Just, just go. No way. He's like, well, I'm just gonna hold the door for you when you go in. And I'm like, okay. And then he like walked in and then opened the second set of doors and just held it for me. And then I walked in. I was like, this is a very weird interaction with this human being. <laughs> I can't believe that happened. Yeah. You never told me about that. Oh, well, yeah, we don't was, talk about this podcast. Never have, never will. I was saving it for this. I was saving it for this moment. <laughs> That's just, ridiculous. Yeah. I can't believe that happened. Yeah. This is a fucking nut job. Uh, and then, yeah, like, yeah, when I walked into the theater, it was like, he is sitting next to us. I was like, I don't like this. I was like, this guy's <laughs> unstable. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah. You might do something weird. Yeah. Throughout the movie. Uh, but you kind of did because he got up and moved, even yeah. though we weren't even close to him. So I don't know what he was offended by. I don't know either. I was like, there must have been somebody talking behind him or something. They must have been chuckling too loud or something. He wanted to be in there alone. But that wouldn't make sense because he chose the seats himself and we yeah. chose the seats first. Uh, it's shocking. Anyway, but it is what it is. But this was a fun event. Other mm-hmm. than the fact that we didn't see the third movie, we we did a double bill and we drove to another theater from Kitchener. We drove to Guelph, the Pergolith mm-hmm. uh, Cineplex, because it would just worked out for the timing. And we went to go watch the movie Encanto, Adrian. Encanto which I clunkily made a segue for and then transitioned immediately to Resident Evil, (laughs) beginning of our segment of what we've been watching. But anyway, Encanto is a Disney movie, of course, and um, it takes place, I believe, in Colombia? Yeah, it is Colombia. Okay, good. Thank goodness. And um, it was awesome. I thought it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And it's actually much higher rated. You might be surprised, audience, but it was much higher rated on Rotten Tomatoes than... Um, welcome to Raccoon Town, which is like a 25%, I feel like, at this point. Encanto mm-hmm. is like a 92%, I think, rating in terms of critics lo- liking it. What did you think of it, critic Adrian? Uh, well, it was easily the second best movie I watched this week. <laughs> easily? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Encanto is fantastic. I do love Resident Evil, though. I do, I do want to finish. I, I really like that movie. And honestly, I'll probably watch it again. Once it releases on video on demand, I'm probably just going to watch it again. I really like that movie. But uh, Encanto, really great. I, I think this movie is phenomenal. Honestly, it's a, it's such a pleasant surprise. I This was one of those, um, I don't know, like every once in a while, like a Disney movie trailer comes along and you watch it. And I'm like, yeah, this looks good, but I'm not really interested in it. Or like, I'm not super hyped for it. Like, I know I'm going to watch it, but I'm, you know, I, I just wasn't like super excited for it it just kind of showed up and i was like oh yeah sweet i'm gonna i'm gonna go watch this in theaters and watch it but it was an incredibly pleasant surprise i i totally forgot lin-manuel miranda was making the music for this and as soon as i realized that he kind of did yeah he did he wrote some of the songs sorry um yeah yeah. i think he had a hand in producing all of the songs but he didn't write all the songs which Mm -hmm. i i was confused about because i thought he had written the songs, but you can tell the stylings of Lin-Manuel Miranda, I'd say, mm-hmm. um, which I think you were about to say. Yeah, exactly. And like the music fucking slaps, dude. Like the music is really great in this. Um, it's, yeah, there's a couple of just like really awesome bops where I, I, I was smiling and cause it's not only very well, like, like, like not only is the music just really good, but a lot of the songs are genuinely hilarious. Like I, I was laughing quite a few times throughout it. It, it, it felt um, 
I mean, I, I don't even know. I don't want to necessarily say like reminiscent of like Moana, but like, again, I think about Moana's music and how good it is and how funny those songs are. And it, it felt like very similar to that. Um, and I think this movie is, yeah, just genuinely fantastic. I think it's beautiful. It's colorful. Um, it really just kind of pops on the screen. Um, and I really like the, the story. I, I was happy because I didn't really know what this movie was about other than, you know, Mirabelle, who's the main character, um, you know, being one of the only people in her family without any, uh, any, I guess, superpowers for lack of a better term. Um, and, uh, again, like it's a, it's a really cute sort of coming of age story and family story. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's very well done. And again, I think this was just such a pleasant surprise. I don't know why I wasn't expecting it to be this great because Disney regularly knocks it out of the park. I would say pretty much anything that has come out recently is fantastic by them. Um, and I don't know. I, 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 I was shocked that I was surprised at how good it was, if that makes any sense. What did you think of the movie, man? Yeah, I thought it was awesome. It was beautiful. It, uh, the music slaps, as mm-hmm. you say. And uh, I did laugh at a few songs. Like, my girlfriend didn't love it, interestingly. Oh, really? And I thought that was interesting. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I don't know. She didn't know it was a musical, apparently, Oh, going in. And that kind of threw her off. And maybe that just threw her off for the whole movie. Mm. But uh, when it came to like, um, I think it's Louisa's song. The, uh, I think it's Louisa. The, the strong. Yeah. The strong sibling. Mm-hmm. So they all basically, Mirabelle doesn't have powers, but her whole family has powers. And there's this candle that's basically, you know, giving the family powers. That's, that's basically the, the plot. And the whole family, each one of them has unique powers, uh, superpowers, interesting things like, you know, like super strength as an example. Yeah. Uh, which Louisa has. And, um, and the ability to be extremely graceful and uh, the <laughs> pot- potential to see the future. Those yeah. types of things. But the, the one, the song that I feel like I laughed at the most was the one in which I think it's Louisa. Now I'm kind of forgetting the names of the characters, but Louisa played by Jessica Darrow. She's singing the, the song about how, you know, she's kind of, she's being asked to do too much kind of thing. And she's, she's this super strong person that's kind of expected to just like lift the world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was extremely well done and it uh, took a very fantastical turn that I really appreciated. And I feel like from that point of the movie, I, I think I would argue my girlfriend started to enjoy it more. I enjoyed it from the beginning. I just think mm-hmm. that the art style is so beautiful in all of these movies lately. And it's just never a dull moment in this one. Yeah. And uh, I, I knew I recognized the voice of the of Mirabelle from the beginning, but I couldn't quite place it. And Stephanie Beatriz from Brooklyn from, Nine-Nine, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine yeah. which I thought was fantastic. And I think... I don't know if she sings in the show, but I I do remember her singing at some point, and I, I it's got to have been in Brooklyn Nine Nine, mm-hmm. and I just don't remember exactly when. But I do remember she had a beautiful, beautiful voice, and I was like, oh, "This makes sense." But yes, very good. And Lin Manuel Miranda's stylings are clearly felt mm-hmm. throughout. So yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I, I can't I, I can't recommend this movie enough. Like I I feel like if you can, um, definitely go to the theater and watch. Both Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon Town, and uh, Encanto. Encanto. Yeah, I'll take the stance of don't necessarily waste your time with Resident Evil. How dare you? But uh, Encanto was fantastic and definitely worth the watch. Yeah. Um, like you, you can watch Resident Evil, man. It's okay. It's, I, you know, I want I'm not saying to go don't... out to watch this so it gets a sequel. I'm just saying, if you had a choice of going to see House of Gucci 
or that licorice pizza movie that just came out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of options here. And I, I well, if you want to have a fun time watching a horror movie, you know, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon Town. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. It's it's it's, it's thrilling. It's thrilling. By the way, I just want to point out one thing about that, too. I forgot about this. I forgot about this. I wrote this down, but I must mm-hmm. have missed the note. My favorite thing in the entire Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City movie is the scene in which Robbie Amell's character is lighting the lighter. I thought that was amazing. I thought that was genuinely great and really well shot. I was frightened. I was like, oh, no, I hate scenes like this. I hate scenes like this in video games. And and it made me feel like I was in the game kind of situation. Mm -hmm. I was in the movie, too, because you – again, it's that classic sequence of light goes on and – you know, it's like you're seeing what's coming and then light just goes out because it's just you and then you just hear the flicking of the, the lighter to get it to go back on so you can see the surroundings and not be completely frightened. So it's like, a again, awesome sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You brought up licorice pizza real quick. Yes. It's super weird. So on Cineplex's app, I quoted that it was coming out, I think, this Friday or I guess this past Friday. Right. Because it said that on the yes. Cineplex app, it said that everywhere online, all of that stuff. Right. And then I checked, like when I was writing up the movies releasing this week, I always check Cineplex as one of the apps. And it shows that it's releasing in December, like on December 25th. And I was like, what? Like, so I think they delayed the movie, at least for wide audiences. I might be wrong about that. But it, it yeah, it shows up as December 25th all of a sudden on Cineplex app. And there's no showtimes nearby. I don't get any ads for Princess, so I don't know. I I, I would mm. literally, yeah, I, I was certain. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I don't know. It says November 26th when you look it up. Yeah, that's what I mean. But on Cineplex's app, it switched to the December 25th, and that's why I'm so confused. Maybe it's to do with Canadian releases, maybe. possibly. Hopefully, we get it earlier than that somehow. In, like, I don't think Licorice Pizza would maybe even end up in a Canadian Cineplex anyways. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, at least not like probably near us. I imagine it would be at like a like a princess twin or something like that. That's what I was thinking. Any like independent theaters, I think it would be more likely to mm-hmm. to arrive at. Do you want to watch that? I'm I'm guessing yeah, but Yeah. Cool. I like those like slice of life slice of life movies. House of Gucci has kind of always really intrigued me because I think that that story that like kind of crime story seems very very interesting and then you have this these actors this great medley of awesome actors but jared leto is completely not looking like jared leto and i really kind of want to see that mm-hmm. but again you abandoned me so alas we did not see it as the third movie on that day it was only a double bill not a triple bill only a double bill adrian mm-hmm. yeah what else did you watch what else did you watch this week well, I guess uh, since we were just talking about Encanto, which is a Disney property, um, I watched the first two and I guess the only two episodes that are out of Hawkeye, Simon. Hmm, exciting. Me too. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? Uh, I really love it. Mm. Oh, man. I love it so much. I am a huge fan of this. I am very excited to watch more of this. I, I love agree. the fact that it's set in a Christmas at, at Christmas time in New York. I think that that's a great setting. It's... Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yes to everything about it. Yes. I agree. Yeah, I really love it as well. I think uh already the tone that it's set is is something that I'm totally into. It's it's cute. I think Haley Steinfeld's uh 
uh, portrayal of this Kate Bishop character that I don't know much about is is really great. Uh, she's very charming on screen. You know, I, I love Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye. I'm glad that he's in it, and I like the I like that Hawkeye's not a prick. You know what I mean? Like he's he's a good guy, and uh, he's he's. Did not, you think he was a prick before? No, no, I, I didn't think he was a prick before. But I was worried that they were going to go down the route of like him being like a very reluctant kind of like. Oh, I don't want to train you like in kind of like a dickhead sort of thing. But he's he's very nice. to well, her. He is. He's reluctant. Yeah, but he, he's still nice about it. And, you know, like gives him like gives her his number and stuff like that. And I don't know. I, I really like the their chemistry on screen. And I'm very interested uh, like to see where this this series goes. Uh, do you know if it's eight or six episodes? I think it's six. Oh. If I recall correctly. So yeah, it's going right. to be ending shortly. I think that's kind of why I think they wanted to end it just before Christmas. And I think that's why they aired two episodes in the first week. Nice. So it ends just before the 25th of Ooh. December. Cool. But I'm, man, I'm just a, such a fan of this. I just love, I love it. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I think Haley Seinfeld also does a great job. I think that uh, Tony Dalton, there's something about this guy. I, I feel like I just... Where have I, where's this be- guy been? Where, why haven't I seen him in more things? Like he's so good in Better Call Saul and now here oh. he's just, you know, he's just, I feel like he's a standout here too. Yeah. And uh, Jack Duquesne is a character in the comics. So what does it all mean? What will know. he be like in this iteration? That's my question. Is he going to be a bad bloke? Is he going to be a good bloke? Who knows? I'd also like to point out that I just absolutely adore the fact that they started this at the beginning, like the beginning of the, the show starts, as it starts, it starts at the Battle of New York. And I like that mm. it's, it's because it's taking place in New York as well. I like that they've taken that kind of concept and pushed it into the rest of the show and, and kind of influencing, influencing uh, Kate Bishop's actions. Mm-hmm. I think that that is really a great perspective. And I love when they use the rest of the history of the Marvel cinematic universe to, uh, to such a, a great effect. Like they're, they're not just forgetting the past they're using their history to make the future. And I think that that's really, really cool. Yeah. That's I agree. Yeah. Cause that's such a huge monumental event and they don't forget about it, which is really, really good. Yeah. So I'm happy that they've done that too. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. Um, I also one thing that I really kind of appreciate is that they didn't go down the right route of like nobody knows who Hawkeye is. You know, they're not like he's obviously, you know, they they played around with that like Avengers Age of Ultron as an example. Like there's the you know scene with him and his wife, you know, just pretty much like him telling his wife he's like, oh, like you, like you don't think they need me like part of the Avengers and stuff. And I was I was a little bit worried that maybe they were going to be like, oh, man, poor Hawkeye. Like nobody recognizes him or anything like that. But people do. And I really like kind of it's not like super like, oh, everyone's screaming for him. But like people know who Hawkeye is and and they like him. And there's the one scene in particular where he's uh, in the bathroom, like at the urinal, because they were watching like this stage play of uh, of the Avengers, like essentially a musical about uh, I think it's called like rogers the musical or something like that and they're playing through the you know what happened in the avengers movie on on um like on stage and you know it's so cringeworthy and so uncomfortable and you know like you know hawkeye gets up and like goes to the bathroom and then some guy like kind of follows him in there and you know it's an empty bathroom there's a bunch of urinals everywhere and the guy goes to the urinal directly next to him and you know just uh i think jeremy Renner did like this really good job just kind of being like Oh my god! And like, kind of shaking his head, like when this guy shows up, the guy's like, "Oh, can we take a selfie?" And he's like, uh, "Now's not a good time." As they're 
like taking a piss. I don't know. I, I found it really uh, like cute and like kind of charming. And I don't know. I really like Jeremy Renner uh, as an actor. And I think his portrayal of, you know, Clint Barton Hawkeye is, is awesome. Like he's like, he's obviously, you know, showing his age, like he's been around for a while and I'm really glad that he's getting a little bit more spotlight and they're really playing up the whole, you know, him losing his best friend, like in, in Natasha Romanoff, like, like her dying and like him essentially, you know, letting her go at in Endgame, and, you know, him almost like suffering from PTSD, not necessarily PTSD, but, you know, like just suffering from that loss and survivor's also, guilt. Yeah. Survivor's guilt. And I really like the idea that like he has a hearing aid now, like he, he, he's, he was just a regular dude and he, you know, a bunch of shit was exploding around him and all that stuff. And now he literally just has a hearing aid. And I don't know, again, it's like these little things that they're doing in this show that I really, really love. And it adds more to not only his character, but just to this, like the world building. And it, it, it feels a little bit more grounded because obviously this is just, like there's no real like superpowers right now. Uh, I mean, obviously there is in the wider universe, but this is a far more grounded story, at least so far. And I'm I'm really, I really like where it's going. And again, there's, in terms of things that I don't like about it, like so far, there's really not much. Like I think the casting is like on point. Again, um, I think uh, the addition of like Vera Farmiga, who I really like, I think she's really awesome. She plays an awesome character in. Uh, you know, Kate Bishop's mother. And it's interesting um, with her character because she seems like almost like the perfect mother in some ways. And I, I don't know if there's anything sinister behind that or not or whatever. Um, but again, her portrayal is really great. There was one scene in particular, not with her, but in the show in general, where uh, like Kate Bishop's, I think, like being chased by, I forget what they're called, the tracksuit guys. The tracksuit mafia. Yeah, the tracksuit mafia. The coolest name for a mafia ever. Am I right or am I right? <laughs> it's a little bit on the nose, and I think they even reference that, and I kind of like it. But literally, the line is there. It's a yeah. little bit on the nose, <laughs> and um, you know, like she's being chased by like these the tracksuit mafia, and they're all wearing masks. And then in the middle of a busy street, one of the guys pulls up his mask entirely to like kind of look at her like across the road, and then pulls his mask back down. And I was like, why the fuck did that guy just pull his mask up in the middle of this busy street for everyone to see him? And then from then on, they never wear masks. Like none of the tracksuit mafia guys wear masks. So I was like, well, they were on a they were on a heist. Yeah, I know. But that's the that's the whole thing is like, why would you remove your mask in the middle of the heist anymore? They were way down the street. I don't know, man. I think that's still I think that was a dumb move. And he pulls it back down after as well. And I was like, why did you, did you just pull it up so the audience knows what's going on? Look, man, did you watch episode two? Because these guys aren't the brightest tools in the shed, okay? They obviously aren't. But I just mixed my metaphors really badly. I just realized that my head's hurting. They're not the brightest tools in the shed, man. They're not flashlights. They're not the brightest tools in the shed. They're not flashlights or flares. They're uh, just screwdrivers. Yeah. Oh, wow. But, uh, that was good. That was good. Yeah, thanks. That was a good save. Um, you saved me. I got you. I got you. But yeah, I don't know. Again, I really like this. I'm excited to see where Hawkeye is going to continue to go. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really love the tone of this. It's far more lighthearted and I really need this. I really need more lighthearted stuff. Mm, yeah. I think yeah. it uh, so far it hits the bullseye, Adrian. It hits the bullseye. Oh, I like that. Oh, indeed. Adrian, yeah. did you watch anything else this week? Um, I watched like one more thing like yesterday. I worked Black Friday. It was a long ass day and I got, came home and I wanted to watch something funny. So I watched something brief. Uh, they, they released the Jonas Brothers family roast on Netflix. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, I wanted to watch it just because like Pete Davidson's a part of it, and uh, I, I really like Pete Davidson's stand up. I, I think he's like a funny dude. So I was like, ah, I'm gonna watch it because uh, you know they advertise that he's a part of it. He's not a part of it for for much, and uh, and then you turn it off. You're like, oh, well, that's it for me. No, I watched the full hour, um, but it's it's fine. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't think it's really worth watching. There's a couple of like pretty funny jokes like throughout the throughout the roast, but nothing like. Yeah, I, I don't think like it's. It's really just a waste of an hour. It's nothing amazing. Oh, okay. Um, there is like one, like, cause they, they, it's like the three Jonas brothers, obviously. And then their wives are there slash girlfriends and Sophie Turner, um, who people probably know best from, uh, like playing Sansa Stark in game of Thrones. She does like a roast on her, I guess, boyfriend, Joe Jonas, the oldest one or the middle one, whatever. doesn't matter. And, uh, honestly, some of her jokes are just straight savage. I was like, holy shit. Like she, she didn't hold back, um, which I really liked. Um, like she was arguably the funniest of the, of the, uh, wives slash girlfriends. Cause again, mm. yeah, just the, the things she said, I was like, Jesus, like I, I was genuinely shocked because it, it felt quite PG at first, like, but it progressively got a little bit more and more raunchy. Uh, and, uh, yeah, again, it's, it's, it's good. Like, it's fine. I don't necessarily think like you, you should watch it, but uh, I, I enjoyed is a good waste of an hour. Is the, is the was best this way to put it. presented? I probably not. But there was this presented by the Roastmaster General, like Jeff Ross, or no? No, no, it was not. It okay. was uh, presented by I forget the guy's name. He's in a bunch of stuff though. He's a very recognizable face. There's also a song uh, with John Le- Legend. It's actually pretty good. In that roast? Yeah, in that roast. Oh, John Legend like writes a song about them and roasts them. It's actually a pretty oh. good song too. Cool. All right. There's there's some good stuff in there. Like it's not it's not bad. It's just fine. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Did you watch anything else? I did. I briefly watched because it's a brief short film. I watched Chow Alberto, which is on uh, Disney Plus. They released that on Disney Plus Day, I believe. And uh, it's like the the kind of a brief sequel to Luca. Luca. I love that movie. And uh, man. Pixar things, anything Pixar makes, they just have the ability to make me cry. I was like all lighthearted. I just, I think we just came off watching Hawkeye episode one mm-hmm. and I started making like little, little stupid jokes in the beginning, like the first two minutes of watching Chow Alberto to my girlfriend sitting next to me. And as I was, we were watching, I was like making tiny little quips. And then as it went on, it got to a point where I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> and I just, just cried a little bit, you know, shed a few tears, shed a few tears. It was great. And they just have the ability to do that, that Pixar, every one of these these movies, these short films, not every one of them makes me cry, but they're just so well so well done and so heartfelt. And uh, I'd imagine you'd feel you feel the same way, Adrian, with mm-hmm. with, you know, of course, Inside Out or Soul or what have you. Mm-hmm. But this is just uh this is really good. It's a really good short film and yeah. I recommend it greatly because I think it's like eight minutes. So what are you missing? Especially because it's a Pixar short film. But yeah, apparently That's I'm missing great. watching that. What you said? Like, what are you missing? I said apparently I'm missing watching that because I haven't watched it yet. It's true. Yeah, it's true. I feel like I'm thinking back about the sentence I just said before you said that, and I'm thinking that that sentence didn't make any sense, and my head's hurting, and I can't really think of the sentence. Anyways, apologies to all of you listeners out there. If I say a lot of things that seem like gibberish in episode seventy four. It's, uh, I was going to say it's not my fault, but it definitely is. It's likely though, because of my headache. So my apologies ahead of time. Adrian, we should move on to the news. I think, what do you think? No, 
Oh, too bad. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Number one, as reported by video game news website gamesindustry.biz, Death Stranding developer Kojima Productions is creating a film, TV, and music division to be based in Los Angeles, California. Kojima Productions was founded by famous video game designer Hideo Kojima in 2005 and is arguably most known for creating the incredibly popular Metal Gear Solid game franchise. This new film and TV-focused subset of Kojima Productions is set to be led by longtime PlayStation executive Riley Russell. To announce the news, Russell said in a statement, quote, The new division will be tasked with working with creative and talented professionals in television, music, and film, as well as the more familiar games industry. The team has as its charter the goal of expanding the reach and awareness of the properties now under development at Kojima Productions and to make them even more a part of our popular culture. Although we are a global organization, the new business development team will be centered in Los Angeles, California. We are truly excited and looking forward to working with the very best entertainment talent we can across all of the entertainment industries, unquote. Adrian, I know you're a fan of Kojima's work, especially in Death Stranding, which mm-hmm. is the most recent, most recent, the most recent, the most recent Sony PlayStation game from mm-hmm. Kojima Productions. What do you think of this news that he's going to be getting into film and TV? I think this is cool. Like, I'm not a huge Metal Gear fan. I've never really played men. I think I only played one of the games, which was the fifth one. Maybe I played like some of the other ones when I was a kid, but I never really grasped it or anything like that. But um I really do love Death Stranding, and I think the story in Death Stranding is super interesting and unique. And um, I mean, you've just recently played it, and so you know this. The game has a lot of cutscenes. <laughs> Let's just say that he does um, it a lot. Like if you played, didn't you play the beginning of Metal Gear? Metal Metal Gear. What am I talking Metal, about? Metal, Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, I did, and and it's a very long cutscene as well. It's like almost like an hour just the beginning is and i think this is a interesting because it kind of does the opposite in this game yeah well you know what i'm saying like it was the ending that was mostly cutscene based like it had more at the end than it did at the beginning uh but yeah like i mean like yeah it's like three hours long the the ending cutscene of that game but to be fair like death stranding does start with like an hour long cutscene as well pretty much i don't remember that hour long cutscene you're talking about I mean, there's like brief points where you can like walk where you walk, but it, it, it's a lot of cutscene at the beginning of the game, simply put. And uh, huh. I, I think it's fairly obvious that like Kojima has always wanted to kind of dive into, you know, maybe movies and TVs, uh, TV shows a little bit more because of how how much effort he puts into the cutscenes of his games. Like I know like Metal Gear Solid 4, which I never played, but like it, it has a notoriously long ending. I think it's literally like two hours like a two hour long cutscene or something like that. Um, so I think this is cool. Um, and I, I, I hope that, you know, we get some really good stuff out of this. I, I want more Kojima video games because of how much I love death stranding, but if we can get some really unique and crazy movies, uh, from like his mind, cause he has some, uh, wild ideas that I think some are really cool and some not so much, at least in death stranding uh, to a certain extent. Um, but, I don't know. I'm all in for this. I mean, you just recently beat Death Stranding. Like, what do you think about this? Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything uh, you said. I, I think that it's true that he kind of, I, I always felt like Kojima wanted to kind of get into film. And I think that his his games are particularly cinematic, at least the last two from what I've seen. And uh, they always tell a winding story. 
And uh, th- this last game was pretty, I think, pretty amazing. I, I love Death Stranding quite a bit. And it's one of the more unique games that I've played. Mm-hmm. And the cutscenes are really quite unique. The three hours of credits, I think, is it's a funny call out because it is a very long credit sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's awesome. It's kind of awesome. Uh, so I really like that idea. I like the idea of kind of winding the two genres in together too, like pulling in games and and making them work with with a with a film, kind of like they were uh, they were thinking of doing with the Halo series, but they never did it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they're still doing that because I'm confused because they are making a Halo TV series with uh, Pablo Schreiber, but I don't think that's connected at all to the games. Really, it is not. I think it's like supposed to be its own like universe. I'm pretty sure at least. Yeah. And Remedy, uh, the developer Remedy was making a game that uh, they actually did connect it with a film type thing uh, with the dude from who plays Iceman in X-Men. What's yeah. that uh, game called? Uh, Quantum Break, which I, I played. Yeah. They, yeah. it's It was an interesting premise because the game was kind of separated into individual acts. So you'd play for like an hour and a half, two hours, and then you would get to watch like a 20 to 40 minute episode of a TV show that was right. like essentially a cut cut scene, but live action and everything like that. And uh, I, I thought that was a really cool and unique idea. Um, I really like that game actually. Yeah. I just think that Kojima has a lot of respect for the film industry and the, mm-hmm. the history of film as well. And you can tell that just in death stranding, like there's a documents, there's like little microchips you, you, you collect that really they have information on it. That's like old films and old, old music as well and he he does things very cinematically with music too where you're you know it's a very much a delivery game so as you're delivering across these vast beautiful landscapes you get these songs playing over it which is a very cinematic thing even Mm. the way the cinematic mode in the game works in which it goes into widescreen and gives you letterboxing um to give you kind of a more a little bit larger wider screen to play in i think that that is very again cinematic it's literally called the cinematic mode Mm. so that's a really cool thing too. But I don't know if you realize the number of the sheer number of big talent directors, big skill, whatever directors in in Death Stranding, Adrian. But they're literally guys you deliver to constantly, or big characters in the game, like Nicholas mm-hmm. Winding Refn. I don't think I'm pronouncing his name right, but it is, he makes one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Drive um, with Ryan Gosling. He's one of the main characters in that in that game, which is like kind of crazy. And I was mm-hmm. kind of shocked to see him. Guillermo del Toro, same thing. He's one of the main characters in that game. I thought Guillermo del Toro was making like a small appearance in that, but he's motion captured fully. And the motion capture in this game, extremely cinematic. It's so well done. I don't think, I was trying to think of it, like I don't know if there's any better motion capture that I've seen maybe, except for maybe The Last of Us. I just think that it's just so spot on. Like Norman Reedus, who plays the main character in that game, he's just so lifelike. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just impressed with it completely. Edgar Wright was in the ga- was in the game as well. Yeah, he, he got was. Jordan Vaught Roberts in the game too. The the um, director of Kong Skull Island. Anyway, and he's making the Metal Gear movie as well. Yeah, yeah which you can see the connections playing out for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I I don't know. I love the homages to film that he's making in I guess his latest property. And I think that it makes perfect sense. It kind of didn't surprise me. I was like, I actually kind of wonder how it didn't happen sooner. It's funny because I just kind of finished Death Stranding and I wrote this story about this new subset of Kojima Productions being film-based. And I was like, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is great. It's exciting. But yeah, 
games nowadays, I find they don't rely too heavily on um, film or TV actors for mocap, like the motion capture technology and, and creating these cinematic scenes with, with, with characters that aren't like potentially video game actors, mm-hmm. um, which who, who have established themselves like Troy Baker, who's in that game. But I, I feel like this game in particular with the amount of talent they brought, he brought to the table with like even Margaret Qualley and, uh, like Leah said, say which I don't think mm. has ever been in a video game before, certainly. And, uh, Norman Reedus being the main character, the amount of mocap work that would have requ- been required for that is just remarkable. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, not too big of a surprise, but it's exciting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. I'm, I'm excited to see what's uh, going to come of this. Me too. It's yeah. neat. It's neat. Number two, as publication variety reports, Blade Runner and Alien director Ridley Scott has just finished writing a pilot for an upcoming 10-episode live-action Blade Runner TV series. In an interview with BBC News, Scott said, quote, We have already written the pilot for Blade Runner and the Bible. So we're already presenting Blade Runner as a TV show, the first 10 hours, unquote. Scott is also producing the upcoming Noah Hawley show-run Alien TV series, in which he claims the pilot is almost finished being written. Network FX's CEO, John Landgraf, described the upcoming horror series as, quote, the first alien story set on Earth, and by blending both the timeless horror of the first alien film with the nonstop action of the second, it's going to be a scary thrill ride that will blow people back in their seats, unquote. Ridley Scott's next announced film project is the Joaquin Phoenix-starring Napoleon Bonaparte-centered film Kit Bag, which is planned to begin production on January 15th, 2022. Adrian, Ridley Scott is a very busy man. What do you make of this news? I think this is really awesome, Simon. Like, I don't know. I'm very I'm very intrigued about this. Like, we knew about the Alien TV series, which I'm very excited about as well, um, especially because Noah Hawley is showrunning it, who, uh, you know, show ran um or i guess show runs i don't know if fargo is coming back for season five but show ran fargo as well as um legion um both for fx which are really awesome shows i really like both of them uh, fargo arguably being one of my favorite shows of all time if not my favorite um so i'm super stoked for that i i love both alien and aliens as a movie i think alien again is is a very terrifying horror movie that still holds up today and aliens is this fun like sort of still pretty frightening but more so an action movie and if they can kind of capture both of those in a tv series hell yeah i'm all in and the idea of making a blade runner tv series is fucking awesome man like i think this is such a sweet idea to be fair there is actually a blade runner tv series that is currently out i think it just recently released and it was um uh, we talked about it a a while ago i want to say it was Oh, Blade Runner Black Lotus. Yeah, it's it's on Adult Swim. Yeah, it's an anime series uh, that just recently uh, that just recently released. Uh, I think within the past month or so, and uh, I don't think it's being reviewed exceptionally well. I'm on the page. It's a uh, 67 on Rotten Tomatoes. Only six uh, critic ratings though. An audience score of 25 with eight. So not many reviews for it, but it's still something that I want to watch. And um, I like the idea of them expanding the Blade Runner universe, like Blade Runner 2049. Um, is a phenomenal movie. It's absolutely brilliant. And I think a lot of that has to obviously do with uh, Denny Villeneuve. But again, just that world itself is super interesting. And I think you can you can do a lot with this and you can explore a lot more than just what we've seen in these two movies. You know what I mean? 
And uh, I want to know what they're going to come up with and what what the show will be about exactly. Um, what do you think about this, man? I, I know you don't really have an attachment to Alien, but you do have an attachment to Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah, like, um, yeah, I really do like Blade Runner. And I kind of, that's why I was so excited for that, for that Cyberpunk 2077 game, which I quipped at the beginning uh, of the, our podcast about. But um, I am excited. Like, I, I like this, like the cyberpunk nature of it. I think he, like he just did a, such a phenomenal job building that that story out in the first film. And Denis Villeneuve did such a good job kind of bringing it back. And I'm curious where it's going to land. I'm just wondering, like, where is it? Sequel, prequel? Is it going to involve Harrison Ford somehow? I doubt it, but yeah, it's interesting because it was kind of this was this announcement was kind of like dropped out of nowhere. I don't believe this was ever announced before. Not that I can recall. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of looking it up. I didn't see anything for that, so it's exciting. There's like no, there's no. I think they're shopping this around based on this quote too, but there's like no obviously announced network or anything like that. So yeah, it's interesting to see where this ends up. Um, like, isn't Blade Runner technically owned by like Warner Brothers? Like, am I wrong about that? Like, um, because Blade Runner's twenty forty nine at least was distrib- distributed by Warner Brothers, so like, I'm surprised. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's what he meant. He didn't mean he's shopping it around. He's just shopping it to the one place he can go. Yeah, like which I, I, I would imagine they take it because they, yeah. they just typically, I think they eat up Ridley Scott's properties. Like they just love anything he makes kind of thing but well raised by wolves as a recent example like that's, that's an hbo max original series that ridley scott um you know made so yeah, yeah. i wouldn't be surprised if it became a blade runner like a blade runner was on hbo max that'd be that'd be cool it would be cool it would it would pull in lots of eyes too so like it would just help their their service even more but mm-hmm. although actually maybe not because 2049 did not do well yeah like even though it is a remarkable movie, like it is really good, it just did not do well, and it was like it was regarded as a failure in terms of like box office success. Yeah. Like people, critics loved it, but I loved it. People didn't see it as much as they wanted. Yeah. So actually, that's a reason why they might not make this series. Actually, <laughs> so if, it may be written, but it seems like you wouldn't have gone that far to kind of write the Bible for all ten episodes without kind of having a good idea that it would happen. As I don't know, depends how I guess detailed the outline is. I'm not sure how that process works exactly but yeah, anyway yeah i'm kind of excited this i'm excited for alien by the way just because of noah holly like i'm just a fan mm-hmm. of noah holly i'm curious and i just uh i really kind of want to watch that i'd mentioned this a couple weeks ago or last week i want to watch that x-men show legion yeah. by noah holly just because it, it it struck me as as interesting it's very well reviewed as well and oh wait we still haven't even seen that fargo uh season with um chris rock chris rock four, yeah. yeah we need to do that i'm hoping they're just going to drop on netflix or something because I think the first... It will. Yeah. The other ones are on there, right? Yeah, but it's been over a year, man. That's the thing. It's been forever. I know. It sucks. And it, the interesting part is, is like, I mean, I guess Noah Hawley is very attached to FX because they keep he just keeps on making shows for them. Uh, both Legion and Fargo are on FX. But I'm kind of surprised because Alien was a Fox property, which is now owned by Disney, technically. So I would have assumed that this would be on like Hulu or something like that. But I, I mean, I guess... FX is an option too, but uh, it it just kind of bums me up because I, we're probably gonna have another Fargo situation where we we can't fucking get this here in Canada without like paying the stupid ro- or getting a Rogers cable package to get FX now or however many hoops we have to jump through to get it, or we just buy it like episode by episode yeah. by season. This doesn't surprise me, but it's annoying as shit. Yeah, just com- combine them. What? Why? 
Why do you have FX now? Like, I don't, I don't understand. That, that, that to me is just egregious. I'm not going to get FX now. Sorry, not happening. What? Do you have a Rogers cable package? Um, no. Well, you can't, Simon. You can't get FX now because you need a Rogers cable package. Is that still the case? Yeah. My mind's fuzzy. I'm sorry. I don't remember that. But, uh, but yeah, that's that's nuts. That's crazy. Are you sure you can't subscribe? I'm pretty certain. What, are they living in 1985? What's what's going on here? I don't know. Yeah, because I think it's... This is the golden age of TV. Where What are they doing? <laughs> Shocking. Anyway, well, no, you can... No, we can buy the season, though. She won't be streaming. Yeah, yeah, you can buy the season, but, like, for FX now. Unlike that other uh, network, AMC, which doesn't let you even buy the seasons now. Like, they're all making up their own stupid rules that they're just breaking other rules, and I don't know. This is a problem. This is just, we're back. Yeah. Not quite. This is still a card in some capacity, but we're kind of back in time in a way. Like, we're just basically rebuilding cable packages, but as streaming platforms. It's kind of... yeah. It's kind of irritating. Like so, we, you have to keep track of where everything is. Yeah. Every so show. Just, just to clarify, um, I'm on like the app store for the FX Now app, Canada at least. It says the FX Now Canada mobile app is home to critically acclaimed shows from FX and FXX. Uh, but the first line before that, I don't know why I didn't just start with this one. It says TV provider sign-in required. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, it's ringing a bell now. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So Anyways. Let's move on. Number three, as Variety reports, unusual suspects actor Kevin Spacey has been ordered to pay $31 million in damages to production company MRC for breaches of his contractual obligations as executive producer and actor on Netflix's House of Cards. The arbitration between Spacey and MRC has been ongoing since 2019 when MRC made the legal filing at the Los Angeles Superior Court. MRC claimed that Spacey owed the damages due to his blatant disregard for MRC's anti-harassment policies, which Spacey breached when it was reported that he made many an inappropriate sexual comment to crew members while also touching staffers non-consensually. These choices made by Spacey in 2017 forced MRC to suspend the actor-producer to conduct an investigation, which inevitably found him fired from House of Cards. The firing required MRC to rewrite the sixth season of the Netflix series, which had previously been very focused on Kevin Spacey's character, Frank Underwood. It also forced them to scrap two episodes of the show that had already been filmed with Spacey as the central actor. The sixth season ended up being eight episodes instead of the planned 13 due to the major production overhaul required to restructure the show. Adrian, your thoughts on this? Um, I mean, Kevin Spacey... It sucks that Kevin Spacey sucks because <laughs> uh, he's such a great actor. It sure does. Uh, and it's such a bummer because it ruins movies. <laughs> it doesn't ruin movies, but it, it, it puts a sour taste in my mouth whenever I'm watching movies. Like Again, we, we brought up like Baby Driver as an example, like how much I love that movie or how much we both love that movie and how great it is. But you know, Kevin Spacey's in it and it's like, ah, man, like you, you kind of got to look past the the him kind of being a pedophile, <laughs> uh, you know, to really enjoy it. And I'll be honest, I totally forgot that he got fired from or suspended, whatever, fired from House of Cards because he was like making inappropriate comments and, you know, touching people on 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 the set of that show. I thought I could have sworn that the reason he got fired was because all that stuff came out about him being, you know, like, uh, I guess, you know, going for like a 14 year old kid when he was like 20 something. Um like that's that's how I remembered it. So I don't know. I find that's kind of interesting. I, I just wanted to you know briefly touch on it um, because 
yeah, like it sucks that he's such a shitty person. <laughs> and I, I mean, I guess it's good that he's being charged for being a piece of shit on set um, for that show as well. I don't know. What do you think about this, man? Yeah, it kind of it just sucks. This whole thing sucks. Yeah. He's he's he, why does he suck so bad? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> ah, it's just so disappointing. But uh, I do remember that, by the way, these reports coming out about the mm. show and his uh, his inappropriate behavior on the set of House of Cards, and that was kind of the the reasoning that he was kind of let go. But mm. yeah, it's just uh, it's shitty. It's shitty. And there's some weird stuff. Like, I don't know if you noticed this, but every Christmas, like Christmas Eve or something like that, he posts a video on YouTube. Did you know that? I, I don't know that it was every Christmas. I, th- I remember him doing it like last year. Not everyone, but the last like three years or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah. Where he's essentially like in character as Frank Underwood. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that is a weird one. It's just like, it's strange. I don't think he's ever going to be able to make a comeback. Well, he was cast in something recently. Really? Yeah, he was cast in, uh, I think it was like an Italian film or something like that. Hmm. It's weird. Like, yeah. I, I, he's trying, right? Like, and I think that the the slowly puts occasional stuff on YouTube is kind of his, his maybe his tactic. But um, it's weird, though, to embody a character who's such an asshole like Frank Underwood. Yeah. I don't know. It, it kind of, does it kind of miss the point? I feel like it does. I feel like it totally does. Like, I mean, you're not... I don't think Frank Underwood's necessarily supposed to be a like. I've only watched the what first two seasons of uh, House of Cards, and Frank oh. Underwood isn't necessarily like he's a he's a charismatic character. Like you like watching him, but I don't think you're supposed to like him. And it's weird that well, he's a murderer. Yeah, literally. So, <laughs> and like, I, I, that. It's, it's, it's weird that he, he's playing that up, especially considering people just don't like him for obviously the, these like you know sexual misconduct stuff. But again, like. There's that allegation against him about him being a pedophile. And he literally was just like, I don't remember that, but I'm gay. And it's like, what? I just, yeah, it I don't. Seems like, it's just so out of touch. Like, what are you doing? I just don't know how you can look past that. And uh, I don't know. I'm a little bit more on the side of just like, just let him, like, he's obviously still rich. Just let him just, you know, rot away with all his money slowly. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I love that show, House of Cards, too. Mm-hmm. So it's like a weird sucks you did such a good job in that and it's like yeah. ah, man it's just so frustrating why do you have to make these bad decisions man but it's like for years though like tens tens of years right i think it was like 20 years or something like that. it's unbelievable it's like yeah that's the point i mean like maybe he got away with it for so long because he's such a goddamn good actor <laughs> and like you uh, know yeah like, it, people it, just kind of shuffle things under the rug though right they just mm-hmm. they they see that the things happening in front of them and they're like oh that's how the industry is yeah. I feel like that happened a lot throughout Hollywood and that kind of changed, started changing with like Time's Up and, you know, Me Too and mm-hmm. it started to like get adjusted, which like that just never should have been okay. But it's like, it seems like he was just doing that for years on many sets mm-hmm. based on the impression I was getting. Anyway, so it's just too bad is all I'm saying. Agreed. All right. Now on to the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, as Deadline reports, DreamWorks Animation Studios' latest Trolls sequel film, Trolls 3, is set to launch as a theatrical exclusive on November 17th, 2022. Oh my god, I cannot wait for this. Most anticipated movie of 2022. (laughs) I get it, you're trolling. Number two, as Variety reports, Blackish and Law and Order star Anthony Anderson has been cast to reprise his role as Detective Kevin Bernard. Hmm. 
in executive producer Dick Wolf's upcoming revival of the original Law & Order TV series. Nino? I don't know if I watched the original Law & Order, but I definitely watched SVU. Special Victims Unit, Simon. Hmm. Number three. As announced by Ant-Man director Peyton Reed on Twitter, production has wrapped on the third Ant-Man film, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Ooh. Uh, quick correction on a thing that I said that was wrapped. And I said that The Last of Us TV series did wrap. Um, it did not. It's actually um, still filming in Alberta. You mentioned that maybe it was being filmed in BC but uh, it's being filmed in Alberta. Number four, as Variety reports, the Zendaya starring Euphoria season two will premiere on January 9th, 2022. Ooh, I can't wait for this one. I really love Euphoria. It's really great. It's a really great show. It's on Crave here in Canada. Number five, as followed by The Hollywood Reporter, Netflix's House of Cards creator, Bo Willimon, is attached to a TV series adaptation of the Tom Wright and Bradley Hope novel, Billion Dollar Whale, The Man Who Fooled Wall Street, Hollywood, and the World. Oh, okay, okay. It's interesting that uh, a whale can fool so many people, but okay. Number six. According to Deadline, Amazon's new series adaptation of Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time novels is officially one of Amazon Prime's top five TV series launches of all time. That's great. I heard this uh, sorry, show is really good, and I'm kind of curious to watching it. I don't know if I will. Number seven, as Variety reports, Paramount Pictures has announced that the recently released Clifford the Big Red Dog film will officially be receiving a live action sequel. Oh, that's good to hear. I'm glad it's doing well. I still want to watch this. Number eight, according to Deadline, Guns Akimbo actress Natasha Liu Burdizo has been cast as Star Wars Rebels character Sabine Wren in the upcoming Star Wars Ahsoka series starring Rosario Dawson. Oh, cool beans. Uh, Guns Akimbo? Not that great of a movie. Not that great of a movie. I think I reviewed it on this show. Number nine. As Deadline reports, the League of Legends-based Netflix series Arcane has officially been renewed for a second season. This is probably the next show I'm going to watch. It's being reviewed so incredibly well, and a bunch of my friends actually texted me to watch it. So I think it's still 100%. I could be wrong, but it's like really high on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, like I might... Maybe I'll watch this for next week. I'll, I'll, no guarantees. I'm working six days again this week, but I will uh, maybe give it a maybe give it a shot and review it for next week. But yeah, it is 100 percent on Rotten Tomatoes still. Number ten, as Variety reports, Disney is planning on spending a whopping 33 million dollars on. Damn it, that's not million. It's a billion. Billion. With a B with a B on spending a whopping 33 billion dollars on new content in 2022. This is up from Disney's 2021 content spending, which clocked in at approximately $25 billion. That is so much money, Simon. I can't even wrap my head around it. And that concludes the montage. Blah, 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 montage. Adrian? Yeah? <gasps> what do you got for me, buddy? I what do you new... got for me? I got, I got new releases for you, Simon. Oh. I was just said the line just that I got news for you. Ah, what a classic. What a classic. Uh, I got new releases for you, Simon. Uh, this is for the week of November the 29th to December the 5th. That's a Monday to a Sunday. And there's not too many movies coming out this week, at least uh, from what I could find. So uh, this will be brief, Simon. The first movie coming out is coming out on Monday the 29th of November, and it's a movie called 14 Peaks. Nothing is impossible. This is a Netflix documentary about a dude trying to summit all the world's 8,000-meter peaks in seven months. Trying to... Did you say summon? Climb. Yeah, summon. 
He's trying to summon them to him. No, he's trying to summit. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I got to turn off my headphones, apparently. I forgive you. Don't worry about it, man. I forgive you. Hmm. Um, next up is a movie coming out on Tuesday, November the 30th, and it's called The Summit of the Gods. It's a Netflix original documentary again, but this time it's about a dude looking for a missing climber on Mount Everest. At what point does he summon the gods? I'm confused. Oh, summit. Summit. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. I forgive you once again. I'll forgive you twice, Simon. Back it's to the back. headphones again. It's definitely. Definitely the headache throwing me off. Uh, I'm sorry that you have a headache, man. You want me to soothe your brain with some sweet sounds? Some whale noises? Hmm. That sounds awful. Oh. Mm. Oh. I imagine that's how yep. Wayne's whales sound. That is as bad as I thought it would be. Thanks. Wow. The next movies coming out are coming out on Wednesday, Sem- Wednesday, December the 1st. The first one is The Power of the Dog. This is a Netflix original movie with a really great cast, including Benedict Cumberbatch, um, as well as Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons, who are reuniting since season, uh, is season two of Fargo or season three? Season two. Isn't it two? Maybe. I don't remember. It's two. It's definitely two. It's definitely two. You're right. It's definitely two. Great season. Uh, next up is a movie called Single All the Way. It's a Netflix original movie, and it's uh, one of these Hallmark-style rom-com Christmas movies. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, classic. I can relate to that. I can relate to that, Simon. The whole being single all the way. Oh, that part. Yeah. Not being a Hallmark-style rom-com Christmas movie. No, that, that's my life. My entire life is a Hallmark-style rom-com Christmas movie. Hmm. But, uh, man, that Hawkeye, that Hawkeye show, eh? Wow. God damn, it's a good show. I love the style. I love it. It's in the Christmas season. It's so mm-hmm. good. It's so good. Yeah. I love it. Me too. I love it. It's so feel good. It's I love just you. so feel good. Is it the greatest show that they've made so far on Disney Plus? No, but it's good <laughs> so far. I just enjoy it. I mean, yeah, we're only two episodes deep. It makes me happy. I'm, I'm enjoying it more than uh, Captain Falcon and the Winter Man, at least. Yeah. Like, I feel like it, it has a stronger start than that show. They nailed the tone. They nailed mm-hmm. the tone, I think. Yeah. At least so far. But anyway, sorry. I digress. I digress. Digress away, my friend. Sean the Sheep is up next. And uh, The Flight Before Christmas is the is the subtitle of Sean the Sheep movie. This is a Netflix original movie. And it's a 30-minute Christmas adventure with everyone's favorite sheep. Ah. Mmm. Sean the Sheep. Mmm. And finally, uh, the last movie coming out on Wednesday, December the 1st, is Diary of a Wimpy Kid. This is a Disney Plus original movie, and it's a reboot of the hot movie franchise, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, which is based on the hit book of the same name. Yes. But this time it's animated. Mm, Yes. And uh, the final three movies are coming out on Friday, December the 3rd. The first one is a movie called Last Shootout. This is confirmed by Movie Insider in the Apple TV app. This is a video-on-demand Western movie, Simon. Yes? That's it. Oh. It's about revenge and stuff. Cool. Next up is a movie called Try Harder! Exclamation point. This is confirmed by the most reliable source on the internet, m.the-numbers.com, and the, and the trailer itself, actually. Everywhere it states that this is coming to theaters, but... It doesn't show up anywhere in Canada, so I think it's only in the States, so I guess it's a limited release. This is coming out uh, like on video on demand December 24th, so I probably won't bring it up again, but uh, just to mention it. And this is a documentary about the 
crushing difficulty of college applications of five gifted students at a prestigious high school. Hmm. Yeah. And then the final movie coming out is a movie called Wolf. This is confirmed by a Cineplex ad I saw while scrolling through Instagram, as well as the app. Uh, and Movie Insider, it's a movie coming to theaters. It's about a guy who thinks he's a wolf. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm sure there's more layers to it, but... Okay. Anyways, that's it. That's all. That's it. That's all. All right. Yeah. All right, Adrian. Wow. That was a quick... That was a quick new releases for this week. You got through it fast. Super fast. And I appreciate you joining me once again, Adrian. This has been a long week, you know. We, uh... We have to deal with the, 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 the functions of retail during Black Friday season. And, um, I know you're a busy man. And, uh, probably quite tired. I'm very tired. I've worked, uh, God, I worked about 55 to 60 hours in the past week. Whoa. So it's been it's a lot of hours. It's been exhausting. It's a lot of hours, man. Way too many hours, arguably. But you know what? I love my job. I love the people I work for. Is it worth it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's great. Yeah. That's great to hear. Adrian, I, uh, I think I should wrap this up before I fall unconscious. My head is really hurting now. And, Let me kiss uh, it better. You can't. You're too far. I just kissed it better. Not through the internet. That's not possible. I'm inside your walls. No, no. No, you're not. That would be kind of crazy. Onion. Onion. (laughs) Onion. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, man. We're killing it with the damn Arrested Development references lately. Ugh. Honestly, I feel like we've referenced Arrested Development every episode for the past like 10 episodes. I don't know why. It's not like I've watched it recently. I, I don't know what happened. I have been listening to Smart List, though, the podcast with yeah. Will Arnett and Jason Bateman, and maybe that's kind of rubbed off on me a little bit. But you've re- referenced it, I feel like, an equal amount kind of mm. out of the blue. So I don't know. I'm not quite sure because you don't listen to Smart List. But anyways, Adrian, this has been swell. This has been fun. I ask, I invite our listeners to write into us to spliffocuspodcast.gmail.com with any inquiries because we will feature them on this show. I also invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service of choice because we are on Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcasts, and others. So please, if you can take the time out of your day to write a review for us or subscribe on one of these services, I'd appreciate it very much. Adrian might. I won't, no. Okay, he won't, but I will. I will. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, Yeah, you appreciate enough for the both of us, man. Mm, yes. Indeed, Adrian. Indeed. Indeed. All right. That's about it. Thank you for listening to the 74th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. Yeah, it is. It is I, Adrian Pinter. And although I am single all the way, Simon, like that Netflix original movie that's coming out. You know who else was single all the way? No. Batman. Batman Batman v Superman, which is a great movie. So I'm okay with that. Also Resident Evil. Really good movie, honestly. I really like that movie. Um, it's really fun. I'm going to add that. I'm going to add that to the running bit. Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon Town. Even though it's Raccoon City. Great movie. Both are really good movies. Oh, boy. I really like that movie. Anyways, I'm done. I'm really tired as well, man. I'm sorry that your head hurts. Mwah. Let me kiss it better again. I, I really think, I really think you just kind of devalued Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, just by saying that you kind of equated them. I mean, they're good in different ways. They're very different movies. They're very different movies. One is a very B movie. And the other one is, you know. Triple A movie. But you know what I mean? Like they can still both be good. Yeah. 
I don't know. I don't agree with you, but alas, goodbye. Take care. Goodbye. Sleep tight. <sighs> Be nice to retail workers during Black Friday. It's weeks. It already happened. But just be nice to retail workers. We're tired, man. Both of us. <laughs>